Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Normally when I prepare a message, the Lord gives me like a paragraph or so to kind of warm up the message. He has not done that this morning. So what I'm going to tell you is put your seatbelts on from the first word, and we're going to go ahead and just jump into the word of God this morning. Amen? Pastor Chris has been walking us through a series on prayer. He's been walking us through a journey of understanding prayer. And this morning, I want to take us back to his first message. In the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke, when Jesus is explaining prayer, he starts out with a very simple statement. He says, when you pray. When you pray. And Pastor Chris already pointed out that Jesus didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. And I want to emphasize this point for a minute. That Jesus was speaking... And he said something very matter-of-fact because he was making a very clear statement that if you are a child of God, prayer is not an option for you. It is an automatic assumption that if you are a child of God, you pray. It is a characteristic of a child of God. It is part of your DNA. That's why Jesus says it the way he does. When you pray, there's not a discussion, it's not a debate, it's simple. When you pray. Once you give your life to Jesus, your main means of communication with God is prayer. That becomes your language. And Jesus was saying very clearly, this is now how you speak. This is now how you speak. You pray. And the Lord was making it clear to us that prayer was part of how he was going to build his people. See, Jesus was making a very blanket statement because he understood that some, several things happen in prayer. Prayer is our root with God. It's our connection with God. So in prayer, strength happens, wisdom happens, conviction happens, grace happens, peace happens. It becomes our way of connecting with God and hearing from God and being changed by God. And anytime you look through the course of the church, anytime the church is strong, the church is healthy, the church is walking in harmony, you will see that it always happens in the prayer room. Always. There is a direct correlation between strength, wisdom, harmony, anointing, power, miracles, and prayer. They go hand in hand. They are not separate entities, and they cannot exist without each other. You cannot have the power of God flowing. You cannot have conviction for sin. You can't have harmony. You can't have growth and not have prayer. They go together. They are rooted together. And God has made it clear that when we see the people of God strong, we'll find prayer in the root of it. You know in your own personal life, when you're walking good with God and you're in prayer consistently, you think differently. You respond differently. You act differently. All of a sudden, you have grace for things. You have peace. You're able to love quickly. Your response is different. And you know what you look like when you have not been in prayer. You know. Your grace is lifted. You're agitated. You can't see except the first step in front of your face. You have no answers. You're complaining. Your flesh is in full effect. But when you're in prayer, you're a different person. Your life is full. It's rich. You're able to see the big picture. You don't stumble over rocks. 
you jump over them. And I truly believe that the weakness that we see in the church of Jesus Christ and the weakness that we see in people's individual lives is because prayer has become an optional act. Sure, we talk about prayer all the time. Don't we talk about prayer all the time? We talk about prayer all the time. We do studies on prayer. And somehow we've assumed that because we've talked about something and we've done studies about it, that we've actually done it. That's like going to a seminar on the gym and thinking that you actually worked out. It's a lie, people. It's a lie. Talking about prayer, studying about prayer, having meetings about prayer, doesn't fill your life with power. It doesn't fill your life with the presence of Jesus. The only thing that will fill your life with his presence is actually praying. The only thing that will fill your life with his power is actually going before him, consistently spending time with him. That's it. That's it. There is no other way. See, I grew up in church. I was a little five-year-old, six-year-old kid that sat in the front row of church every Sunday. And I watched as prayer was the backbone of my church. Everything happened in the prayer room. Everything. I saw my first miracle in the prayer room. I was seven years old. I could barely get my head above the altar to see what was going on, but I snuck my way through, pushed my head right on top of the altar to watch what was going on. And I watched with my own eyes a lady's leg grow. I watched with my own eyes someone who had cancer filling their neck. It vanished in the name of Jesus. But it happened in the prayer room. It didn't happen anywhere else. And so I understood early on that prayer had to be the backbone of any believer and it had to be the backbone of any church. And if prayer wasn't there, the power wasn't there. The grace wasn't there. The harmony wasn't there. There was nothing present because prayer was the fundamental root that kept all these things together. And so these people would gather, they would pray for hours, for hours. There was no clock. They just went for it. When you had to leave, you left. And then you come back. And God would show up. People would walk in off the streets because the prayer would call them. Marriages would get healed and delivered right in the midst of a prayer ministry. Children would walk back in that had been wayward right into the prayer meeting. We watched it because prayer was the root of there. You know, it was beautiful, though, that it didn't stop right there. They took that prayer understanding to their homes. And then there was prayer happening in homes. There was prayer happening with husbands and wives. There was prayer happening with children. There was prayer happening in people's jobs. And God was showing up. And God was moving. But see, today we've changed that. We've made prayer a formulaic experience. Sure, we think it's a good thing. No one will say prayer is a bad thing. You think it's a good thing. It's a nice thing. It's something we should do. But family, prayer is not a good thing. It's not a nice thing. It's not something we should do. It is the only thing that we must do. It is the only thing that is not optional. Everything else is optional. Prayer is not optional. When Jesus was meeting with Mary and Martha in their home, and Martha was getting ticked off because Mary wasn't helping her, She's running around cleaning and cleaning, and Mary has decided to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear from him. And she is ticked off. 
Jesus, make her get up and help me. Jesus said something very simple to her. She has chosen the right thing. This is the only thing that she must do. And it will not be taken away from her. Jesus said, this is the only thing that we have to do. Everything else can go to the side. Everything else can put aside except prayer. That is not an option. And you see, we begin to understand prayer as this formulaic experience, and we don't understand that prayer is the lifeline of any believer. It's your lifeline. It is essential to you as a child of God. It's essential. The same way your physical body needs oxygen to live, your spirit man needs prayer to live. It is the food of your spirit. And if you cut off oxygen from your physical man, what happens? Your organs shut down, your heart starts beating, your mind starts fading, and eventually you die. And if you cut off prayer from your spirit man, church, the same thing happens. Your organs start shutting down spiritually, your mind starts going, your focus is off, and eventually your spirit man will die. Because it is the food of your spirit. It's the food of your spirit. How many when you miss a meal, you go, oh my goodness, I'm starving. You missed one meal. But you're starving. Because your flesh is crying. But your spirit should do the same thing when you miss prayer. There should be an ache inside of you. Because you haven't fed it what makes it grow and what makes it strong. And today the Lord wants to challenge us. I don't know what your prayer life is with God. That's not for me to judge. And this message isn't to bring condemnation. It's to bring conviction to say, you know what? Wherever I am in my prayer life, I need to do it more. I need to wake up and begin to allow God to meet me different. And so if we can begin to understand that prayer is the lifeline of us as believers, things change. You see, what we've done to prayer, we've reduced it to two things usually. We've reduced it to almost looking like a, a gift list to Santa Claus. This is what I need, God. And we check it off. And that's okay. You know why? Because God is good. And he'll meet you there. He'll hear the prayer of his children when they're asking for their needs. But family, that's prayer 101. That's basic. And then there's the other side, when everything is going terribly wrong and we run to God. And you know what? God will meet you there as well because he's faithful and he's God. He'll meet you. But prayer is so much more than those two things. Prayer is a lifestyle. Let me say that again. Prayer is a lifestyle. It is the ability to commune with God on a daily, regular basis. It is not meant to be an experience that we only have on Sunday morning. It's not meant to be when I'm in trouble. It's not meant to be when I need something. It is meant to be the deepest relationship that I have in my life. It is meant to be the relationship that I invest my time and my effort in. I invest my infection in. I speak, I share, I talk, and I allow him to speak and share back. And I have that open line of communication all day with God. That's what it's meant to be. And if we can truly understand those things, if we could truly understand the purpose and the power of prayer, we would live differently. 
the church would look different. And so this morning, we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And I believe our story today is going to help us understand that. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on our story. Give you a chance to open up the word. All right. Israel has a king. His name is Ahab. And Ahab is a very, very weak king. He has a wife. Her name is Jezebel. And Jezebel is evil to the core. She worships Baal. And Baal is, is one of the first appearances of Satan in the Bible in, in a God form. And she worships him. And she now has led all of Israel to worship Baal. So all of Israel has turned their back on God in rebellion, and they are all worshiping Baal. Not only has she done that, she's now taken the true prophets of God, and she's killed them. She's put them to death. But she's looking for one. His name is Elijah. And Elijah has a living, breathing relationship with God. He is in constant communication with God. And so Elijah steps out onto the top of the mountain. He raises up his hand and he says, Israel, because of your rebellion, God has shut up the heavens and there will be no rain. There'll only be rain when I raise my voice in prayer again. And God shuts up the heavens and there is no rain. And it goes on and on and on. And now Jezebel wants him. She wants to kill him. And so she sends out chariots to look for him. They can't find him. Finally, God says, Elijah, go to the, king, go to the uh, castle and show yourself to the king. Now, remember, they want to kill him. They want to kill him. And God says, go, go there. Do you know what Elijah does? He goes. You know why? Because he's in communication with the Lord. So he's not dealing with fear. He's not dealing with intrepidation. He is dealing in a complete obedient state before God. He goes. And as he walks in, Ahab sees him, he goes, there is the one that troubles Israel. And he says, I'm not the one that troubles Israel. You're the one that troubles Israel. He said, but this is over now. Tomorrow, meet me on the Mount, of Mount Carmel. Bring all the prophets of Baal. There are 450 of them. Bring all the prophets of Baal and bring all of Israel. So 450 prophets of Baal, 1 million Israelis that worship Baal. And Elijah by himself. Can you picture that in your head this morning? Elijah by himself. But how many know that when you stand for the Lord, you don't stand by yourself? Even if it looks like you're standing alone. So here's Elijah by himself, and he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make two altars. And each one of us is going to cry out to our God. And whichever God responds with fire, he's the one true God. And you're thinking, where's Elijah getting this from? Church, he's in communication with God. God is telling him to do it. That's the beauty of walking in communication with God. He gives you great ideas. And so he says, and you know what? I'm going to be gracious. You guys go first. And so the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, begin to cry out to their God. They begin to scream and to shout. They begin to cut themselves. They cry out, the Bible says, all day and all night. No response. All day and all night, to the point that Elijah begins to mock them. And he says, scream louder, maybe he's sleeping. Scream louder, maybe he's in the bathroom. Scream louder. Nothing. 
Then Elijah said, are you done? Because now it's my turn. And I love to envision this piece as Elijah has the altar set up and he walks around it and he stops and in his mind he says, this is too easy for God. It's too easy. Let's throw water on the altar. Let's throw water on it. So he throws water once. He said, nah, do it again. Second, no, one more time. Three times. He saw, the Bible says that the altar was dripping with water. Dripping with water so much that it made a huge moat right underneath the altar. Anybody that knows about lighting fire knows this is now an impossible altar to light. It is dripping with water. But God is all about the impossibility. And he doesn't do any grandstanding. Elijah just simply lifts his hand. And he prays one of the simplest prayers in scriptures. He said, dear God, today, in the sight of all that see, settle once and for all who is the one true God so that their lives, these lives can return to you. Before he says amen, church, fire shoots out of heaven, absorbs the altar, absorbs all the wood, absorbs the water, leaves not even ashes on the ground. It is gone, completely gone. And one million people see it, fall on their knees, give their lives back to God. That's called revival church, by the way. Falls on their knees, give their lives back to God. He turns to the soldiers. He said, now take these prophets of Baal, kill them. An amazing story. Amazing. But we still have a problem. There's still no rain in Israel. There's still a drought. And so we come to verse 41, and that's our text for today, verse 41. 1 Kings 18, verse 41. It says, then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and he looked. And he said, there is nothing. And seven times Elijah said, go again. Then it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as a small man's hand raising over the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy, heavy rain. Now, in these five small verses, I believe God gives us an incredible principle for prayer. Elijah gives it to us. And I want to call it today the four P's of prayer. It's the purpose of prayer. It's the posture of prayer. It's the power of prayer. And it's the promise of prayer. The purpose, the posture, the power, and the promise. I love verse 41 when we look at the purpose of prayer. Elijah says, tell Ahab to go ahead and run because I hear the sounds of the abundance of rain. Church, there was no rain. There was no rain. There was no cloud. There was no water moving. What was Elijah hearing? What was Elijah hearing? What is he saying? I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You know what he's hearing? He was hearing something in the spirit. 
Elijah was so in tune with God. He walked in such a revenant place with God. There was such prayer happening in his life that he could hear things and perceive things before they actually happened. He was a child of God, and he understood the language of God. And the language of God was prayer. See, I don't go to China and speak Italian, right? Nobody understand me. I don't go down to Guadalajara and speak Arabic. They don't understand me. And as a child of God, I cannot be effective as a kingdom person and not speak the language of heaven. The language of heaven is prayer. And so because Elijah was speaking the language of heaven constantly, he now was in tune with things that other people weren't in tune with. He could hear things. He could perceive things. God could speak to him. God could enlighten him. God could lead him differently because he was in tune with the spirit of God. God could correct him. God could walk him. God could give him grace. The purpose of prayer is that we live in a communal relationship with God and there is an exchange of love and information and growth and correction. It is this constant flow of life with God. And Elijah says it from that verse, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, but you see nothing. It didn't matter. Everyone else saw nothing Elijah saw. And that wasn't exclusive for Elijah. That's for any child of God that'll walk in that place of prayer with the Lord. On our, on our trip to India in 2011, I, led it, I had the pleasure of leading a team of 11 to India. And to tell you that we could write a novel on the things that went wrong on that trip, pounds and pounds of things, the enemy was attacking on every angle. But we learned so much. And so on our first leg of the trip, we go from Newark to London. We get to London. We're on time for the next flight. We're ready to board. They won't let us board. We can see the plane. People are boarding the plane. They say, I'm sorry, you've missed your flight. I'm like, what flight? It's right there. How can I miss something I can see? I have my, t they wouldn't budge. They wouldn't budge. And because my team was filled with New Yorkers, it went from one person fighting to 11 people fighting trying to get on this plane. We don't understand, where's the manager? Who's in charge around here? Trying to get on this plane. All of us fighting, all of us trying to, nobody's understanding the logic. The plane is there. Why can't we get on it? And then instantly as we're fighting and as we're going through this motion, I hear the Holy Spirit clear, stop fighting. Stop fighting. So I turn to the team, I say, everyone stop fighting. We're not supposed to be on this plane. So as I do that, the team steps back and kind of anticipate. We don't know why the Lord has just stopped us, but we know he stopped us. And then in a couple minutes, we look behind us, and there are huge police officers with machine guns and ammo and dogs going on the plane that we're fighting so hard to get on. They were bomb dogs. And they go on that plane, and they do whatever they have to do. We weren't on it. And I said, my Lord, God stopped us from whatever. See, we don't have a tragedy this morning with Team India. I brought 11 there. I brought 11 back. They're thinner, but they're back. But because my ear at that moment was attentive to God's voice, I could hear his correction. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. And child of God, when you walk in communion with God, he can speak to you. 
He can correct you. He can, he can speak life into you. He can encourage you. He can challenge you. That's the purpose of prayer is that God has this avenue to meet you, and you have an avenue to talk to your father. That's the purpose of prayer. What's the posture of prayer? Elijah says it in verse 42. The Bible says that he goes down to his knees, and he brings his head in between his knees to pray. This is the great Elisha that we read about. But he understood that the posture of prayer was that of absolute surrender. Kneel down, bent over, praying before the Lord. That's the posture of prayer. And see, that's probably the reason we have the most problem with prayer. is because we are not a people that like to relinquish control. But surrender is absolutely relinquishing control. Surrender is absolutely saying, God, I'm not in control. I don't know what to do. This is bigger than me. Can I tell you something? Let me help you out. It is always going to be bigger than you. It is always going to be bigger than you. So you got to learn to surrender now. You got to learn to give up control now. Do you know what the root of control is? Fear. Fear. We don't relinquish control because we're afraid. Something's going to go wrong. It's not going to work out the way I thought. Someone's going to get hurt. But this morning, I want to encourage you that relinquishing control to a good, good father is the most beautiful thing you can do. It is the most amazing thing you can do. When he said, Lord, this is bigger than me. I don't know how to handle this, God, but I trust you. I yield to you. I kneel on my face, God, and I put my face to the ground because I know that you're the almighty God, and whatever's coming is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. And you're able to meet me. You're able to change me. You're able to challenge me, and I'm able to surrender. And I would love to tell you this morning that surrender was a one-time deal, that you surrender today, and you're good for life. But that is absolutely not the truth. Surrender is a daily activity. It's a daily activity, brother and sister. You know why? Because you might surrender at 8 o'clock in the morning. By 12 o'clock, you've already picked that stuff back up again. Because you're human, you're flesh. And so surrender is a daily activity, Lord. I give it to you. 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 And if you have to keep saying it, do you actually believe it? That's okay. But Elijah gives us the example. He kneels on his face and he surrenders. He said, God is yours. I surrender. And then we talk about the power of prayer. Prayer is a supernatural exchange between you and God. And there is power in prayer. It is the language of heaven, like I stated already. We are kingdom people, and when we pray, we are stepping into the supernatural, and there is power there. There is power there. It's not simply about venting what's wrong or venting what's going on. It is asking God through the anointing and the authority he's given me as his child to answer. Can I tell you something? When you got your child losing his mind, it's not about throwing them in the river or about being done with them. It is about lifting them up before an almighty God who's able to meet them. And you don't lift them up as a beggar. You lift them up as a son or a daughter. You lift them up with authority. 
You stand and say, God, this child that you gave me that seems to have lost their mind, grab a hold of them, Jesus. Remind them of the word that's been spoken into their life, God. Refresh their memory, Lord God. Grab a hold. Let them be disgusted with the world around them until they turn back to you. And you know what happens? They come back. They come back. Your bills are out of control. You don't know what you're going to do financially. Take your hand. Lay it on your bills. Say, Father, I thank you, God, that a cattle upon a thousand hills belong to you, God. I thank you, Lord God, that the righteous never beg bread, God, and you will make a way for your people. There is power in prayer, church. You're not hearing me this morning. There is power in prayer this morning. God is able to meet you. He's able to strengthen you. He's able to do the miraculous for you if you'll trust him. If you'll bring him, if you'll come with expectation in your prayer, saying, God, this situation, I don't know what to do. My wife is dying of cancer, God. What do I do? You rebuke the cancer. You take the authority God has given you as his child, and you stand on his word, and you pray for God to show up with power, and he does. And he does. When I was a youth pastor before I came to Evangel Church, I had a group of kids that were, I used to call them my kids, and we had one boy who had made it into West Point. I've shared this story before. He made it into West Point. And he was so proud. We were so proud of him. But he was a jokester. And so he made some kind of stupid joke on the Internet. The administration found out about it, and they were, they were really upset with him because it wasn't any, any flavor of West Point. They don't joke at West Point. And so he calls me up. He said, I'm in a lot of trouble. I said, what's wrong? I said, he said, I've been expelled from school. I said, how would you get expelled? And he told me the whole story I just told you. And I said, so what's the, you're out, there's no, there's no appeal, there's no nothing. He said, well, there is an appeal process. He said, you get to go through three generals. He said, but whatever the first general says, the other two normally agree. I said, how many have you been to? He said, two. I said, what did they both say? He said, no, I'm out. I said, okay. I said, when do you meet with the third one? He said, tomorrow, but I'm going to cancel it. I said, why? He goes, what's the point? It's just a formula. formula. They ha he has to say no. That's what they all do. I said, no, you're going to go tomorrow because tonight we can pray. Tonight we have an opportunity to pray. He said, but it's never happened in the history of West Point that the third general would go against the other two. I said, but, but darling, I believe in a history-making God that can change that. So we're going to pray and believe God to meet you. And so we began to pray, and the Lord gave me a verse for him. The verse was very simple. The, hands, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he changes it any way that he wants. And so we began to pray that, Lord, take the heart of this general and turn it with favor towards this boy. Turn his heart with favor. And so the next morning, he goes in to meet with the general. And I get the crazy phone call later on. Says the general, he walks into the general's office, and the general says, sit down. So he sits him down, and he takes his hands, and he puts them on both sides of the chair, and he leans into his face. And he said, who are you? And he said, oh, my name? He said, no, I know your name. He said, I don't know what you're asking, sir. He said, I'm asking who you are. He said, sir, I, I, I really don't know what you're asking me. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm asking you. He said, I've been here 20 years, and I have never disagreed with the other two generals. He said, but listen, listen to his words, church. He said, but all night my heart was turning. All night my heart was turning. 
all night my heart was turning, and I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to let you back in. There is power in prayer, child of God. There is power in prayer. We don't go to prayer as just a counseling session with God. We go to believe in the anointing and the power of his word to see things changed, to see storms stopped, to see storms passed over. That's what prayer is. It's not a formulaic experience. It's where the power of God shows up and lives are transformed. And finally, the promise of prayer. You notice that when Elijah was praying, it didn't happen the first time. It didn't happen the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. God required Elijah to pray seven times before he sent rain. And he said, well, why is God doing that? Well, how many know that God doesn't waste an opportunity to teach us? It's not that God couldn't answer the first time. He wanted Elijah to hold on to the word and to press through. And child of God, I don't know what you're walking through, but the word of God is true and everything else is a lie. Whatever you're walking through, the word of God is true and everything else is a lie. So you need to hold on to the promise of the word and pray it through. How often? Till it comes to pass. How long? Till it comes to pass. Five years, 20 years, I don't know. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that his word is true. The scripture says, having all done to stand, you stand. You don't move. This is his word. I stand on it. I pray it. I believe it. And I walk through. God is going to meet me. God is going to do it because he's faithful. And I stand on that promise of the word of God. And I don't shift. No matter how long it takes. No matter how long it takes, God will bring it to pass. That is the promise of prayer. If I grab his word and pray it through, one time, two times, three times, seven times, it's irrelevant. All that's relevant is that his word is true. That's all that's relevant. The church that I grew up in, that I was sharing about, my pastor at the time, his name was Ben Crandall. He was an amazing man of God. He's now, I think, 98 years old, still preaching the gospel. But he bought a piece of property in Staten Island. It was a swampland. And Staten Island in the 80s and 90s was all swampland. So he bought this piece of land that the Lord told him to buy. He got a crazy mortgage. Somehow a bank gave him a mortgage with no collateral. Five million dollar mortgage. No collateral. God, he was just a man of faith. And he bought this swampland, and God gave him a word that we were going to build on this property, and the nations were going to come out of this land. And on, I mean, the word was amazing. So we buy this swampland, and we bring out the surveyors so we can begin to build. And the surveyors are measuring the property. And they grabbed the pastor, and they said, you got a real problem here. He said, what's the problem? You can't build on this land. What are you talking about? He said, the regulations is that it has to be at least 12 to 13 inches, um, less than 12 inches of swamp for you to be able to build on it. He goes, you have 13 here. He said, for one inch? He goes, absolutely, you can't build. I'm sorry, you've bought a dud. There's nothing you can do with this. And he leaves. So now he's bought this massive property. He's in debt. He has no church because the other church is gone. What does he do? You know what he had, church? He had a word. He had a promise. So he calls everyone in the church, 
meet me at the property. We all go. I was a young kid. I remember the story clear. I was about 14, 15 years old. We all run to the church because Pastor Crandall called. What are we doing, Pastor Crandall? He goes, how many of you read the story of Jericho? We're going to stand as a wall here, and we're going to believe God to deliver us from this. We held hands. We marched around the property, some 300, 400 people, praying, praying, praying. We declared the ground fertile. We, could, the ground, we, we declared the church. We saw it. We prayed for it. We stood on the word of God. We finished praying. He called the survey. He said, come back. He said, I just left. He said, come back. He goes, you're going to waste my time. He said, come back. So he comes back, and he is ticked off that we've called him. He starts going around. He goes, what do you want from me? He says, measure the ground. He says, measure what? I just measured it. He said, measure it again. So he starts measuring it, and we see him begin to bug out. He's measuring it at one end. Then he runs down to the other end, and he measures it. And I'm a little kid, and I'm watching. I'm like, what's happening? Why is he bugging out? He's measuring him. He's talking to himself. Things I cannot repeat in this room. And he's going back and forth, back and forth. And then he walks over to the pastor, and he said, what did, what did you guys do here? So the pastor's got a big grin on his face. He said, why? He goes, it's 11 inches. He said, what? He said, it lost two inches. What did you guys do? He said, we prayed. We prayed. We stood on the word of God, and we prayed. And God changed the chemistry of the soil Come on, church. God changed the chemistry of the soil so we could build a church there. That man that day got saved, gave his life to the Lord because he saw it with his own eyes. That church got built. It stands as 3,000 strong today. It has done everything the word said. Missionaries, pastors, evangelists have all come out of that church and gone across the world from that house. Why? Because one man had a word that he held to as the promise of God. He stood on it and he prayed it through. And child of God, there is no difference for Ben Crandall than you or I. We are able to stand on the word of God and pray it through. The worship team can come. That would be great. And so what I want to challenge you with today is these four P's of prayer. The purpose, the posture, the power, the promise. I don't know what your prayer life is today. I don't have to know. What I do know is that today is a brand new day. And that whatever your prayer life looked like yesterday is irrelevant. Today, God can give us a brand new day. If you're not living in communication with the Lord on a regular basis, that's okay. You can start in today. If you have been, but how many know that each one of us can go a step deeper? How many of us know that today that posture of surrender is never fully overcome? We have to constantly keep that before us. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you close your eyes this morning? It would be remiss of me to preach about prayer for 30, 40 minutes and not actually turn this room into a prayer room. 
So we're going to turn today. The altar is real simple today. We're going to make this a house of prayer this morning. And so as, as the worship team begins to get ready, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to begin to press into God this morning. There's no big formula this morning. It's just prayer. It's just stepping into the presence of the Lord. It's just communicating with God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, children of God, open up your mouth this morning. Begin to adore him. Begin to worship him. Begin to communicate with him this morning. We're going to make this a house of prayer this morning. I don't know what you're walking through this morning, but I know there's power here this morning to meet you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to open up the altars. And if you want to come up to the altars this morning and take a posture of prayer before God, it's open this morning saying, God, I want to do business with you this morning. My prayer life hasn't been where it needs to be. But God, I want to make a declaration before you that it's not going to stay the same. I want you to come up. The altars are open, but we're going to pray as a church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If there's something today that you're believing God for and you're standing on his word for, I want you to come up to the altars today so that God can meet you. Hallelujah. Maybe you're praying for your child or for your marriage or for your business or for your finances this morning. Maybe it's your health that you're praying for. There is power in prayer today, guys. Hallelujah. Just begin to come up and allow God to meet you this morning. That's it. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Faithful God, faithful God. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mighty, mighty God, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you, God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The worship team's going to lead us in a song. And in that peace, just allow God to meet you this morning. Open up your heart to him this morning. Say, God, I... I want to live a life of prayer, Lord. God, I understand, God, that it's my lifeline. God, I can't live without being in communion with you, God. I want to hear the sound of the abundance of rain, God. I want to understand what it is to walk that way with you, God. And as the worship team leads us this morning, just extend your hands and your heart before the Lord and say, God, here I am. God, meet me this morning. 